This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I am your host, as usual, Jake Burns, and we are going to have another episode. Look, it it probably seems like we're doing a lot of these episodes where it's me conversing on somebody else's location, but I, I genuinely think these are really good uh, discussions with a lot of topics that people have asked me to discuss through social media or whatever, and it's a good way to share these things. And I have some formulating plans that we are going to roll out next week, so I have not really been great at bringing in new guests so I will admit that's because I've been mapping out a new direction we're taking this podcast of mine so pay attention to that we will uh you know we'll have that information more maybe later this week but for now I wanted to share a podcast I went on and a guy you should a be following and b get into his podcast because I think he brings a new spin to it Andy Lytle's uh, not the same old Browns podcast which I think is I think it's just phenomenal, and 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 I think he does a lot of really good things. He's, he's, his name on Twitter is at Andy A N D Y Cleves C L E V E S underscore. Andy's great, a good person who is uh, who's a West Coast guy, big you know big time Browns connections. West Coast guy has his own horror movie podcast. If you're into that, we talk about it, discuss it. Uh, in his in his fun five random question segment at the end of his pod, it's called Dead in Santa Clara. If that's your thing or you're into that, uh, he's he does great work there. He started a Browns pod and has had just such great discussion in in our time on Browns Twitter. And I wanted to bring forth what I think was a really good discussion we had last night and is up on his Twitter, not only his Twitter feed but his podcast feed. And hopefully. I can get some of you, the loyal listeners of the OBR Film Breakdown, to uh, subscribe to his uh, his podcast channel and Twitter and all of that. So please do, because I think this is a really good episode, and I think he's got a really good thing going that's not just specifically focused football, but you know also has a spin that I, I really enjoy and talking about life and interest and some of that stuff too. So I want to... Uh, I want to share this podcast with you and hope you guys do enjoy it. Let me know. And I will be rolling out, like I said, a little bit more information next week about, uh, probably later this week, about where we're going to take this podcast in the future, how we're switching up our content, so on and so forth. And um, yeah, I hope I hope you like the direction. I hope you like where we're going. But I hope you first and foremost like this podcast, and I hope you follow Andy and uh and, and and really expand your your browns insight so let's get over to andy's podcast one welcome in this is not the same old browns podcast i am your host andy Lytle, and this is episode three 
I uh, hope everyone's doing well. Thanks everyone for uh, we're this is episode three, so we've dropped two episodes so far. Math is hard, but it, we've dropped two so far. Um, shout out to everyone for all the positive feedback and some negative too. I all feedback is good feedback, but I appreciate everyone reaching out on Twitter. Uh, some five star podcasts, five star reviews on Apple Podcast. I appreciate that, guys. Um, I hope everyone is enjoying the show. Like I kind of said uh, in the trailer and kind of mentioned a couple times in the first couple episodes, it's a little different here. You know, it's more of a, a laid back, loosey goosey kind of atmosphere um, where we're going to laugh a lot. That's kind of my number one goal. And also bring some Browns information to you with guests. And that's pretty much going to be the game plan moving forward. So I'm, I'm glad a lot of you seem to be enjoying it. So without further ado, I am, as I am on every episode, I am joined by a special guest. Today is Mr. Jake Burns from OBR Film Breakdown. Uh, Jake, oh, man of strong beard game as well. What's going on, Jake? I've been blessed with a few things in my life, and, and one of them is I can grow a decent beard. And you can. Uh, that's about like, there's like three things, then one of them is the beard. But yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. No, no problem. Yeah, I definitely give your beard game. It's 10 out of 10, dude. And I'm not even just saying that. Thank you. I'm being serious. I try to sculpt it, I try to find the right length. It's taken like 20 years to figure this out, start growing a beard at like 13. <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah. I've always been beard guy too, and I'm starting to get the salt and pepper Kevin Stefanski look. He's much better looking, but we'll, 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 we'll roll with it. Um, well, thanks for coming on and yeah. joining me, dude. I'm, I was looking forward to this. I, I enjoy your podcast and re reading all your stuff that you do for the OBR and watching all your film breakdowns and whatnot. Um, you've, you've got a pretty extensive football background, don't you? I mean, it seems like football has been a part of your life for a long time. Yeah, I've, yeah. For sure. I, I played it growing up, obviously, as most yeah. people seem to do from a young age. I mean, I, um, I played I played all over I mean I was a bigger kid so I couldn't play a skill position until seventh grade and then seventh grade I thinned out and I was like you know I'm gonna try this quarterback thing so I tried out for quarterback and got it and um I, I went into high school not expecting to play for a while because there's a kid in front of me who's an all-state kid who's actually one of the better quarterbacks in the CFL his name is Trevor Harris he's bounced around no shit in Ottawa and in Edmonton and he's he's had a hell of a career in the CFL but that's awesome um yeah so he played before me I almost didn't play my junior year uh, but I stuck with it, had a nice couple of years starting and then, and then played, I just played, I was okay. I mean, I played D3 ball at Muskingum and had a nice career there, but, yeah. um, just a deep understanding of different football stuff has helped me along the way. I mean, I, I, there's cliches with football, but like student of the game stuff has always been interesting to me, like schemes and how things come together and why a, uh, you know, gets the reaction yeah. from B and so on and so yes. forth. So that stuff's always been fascinating. So I played and then coached and then got out of coaching and, and, and noticed as I, so it's professions that nobody, you know, I was just kind of like 2017. It was, you know, a tough year. It, it, it was late, like late 2016 going into the 2017 draft. I noticed yeah. like nobody really breaks this down from an X and O's perspective. There's a lot of opinions and a lot of smart people that have been mm -hmm. doing this. And, you know, at that time I didn't know what a Browns Twitter was or anything. I'm just like, I got this 250 <laughs> follower account from, I created it my <laughs> senior year before senior year in 2010 they're like, what's this Twitter thing, man? So I, I just had this account that's been around and I've tweeted every now and again. And, and it is very, you know, just personal stuff about sure. life or, or football or basketball or baseball. Cause I was very equally into it. So I'm like, you know, maybe I think what happened with me was I, I fell in love with writing again 
I'm an English major and I fell in love with writing yeah. again with the 2016 Indians. I was really into writing on baseball. It's like, this is a lot of fun, man. I really want to cover this team. Obviously they did a bunch of fun stuff. So I was like trying to figure out where to go. I think I did um, uh, fan sided Indians pages at the time. I can't even remember what it was now. Wahoo's on first or something like that. Yeah. So I was writing there. I remember writing on Corey Kluber, writing on the world series and, and all that fun. So just, just as a fan blogging. And then like, um, I, was like, I really would itch. like to get into it. I gave you the itch, Yeah, I was it? like, I would, I would like to, for sure, for sure. I was like, I'd like to get into something a little bit more hardcore fan base wise. <laughs> but I'll try this, 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 uh, um, waiting for next year seems to have a really nice reputation. I literally searched mm -hmm. Cleveland blogs and they were like one of the first one that came up, comes up very well respected me at the time, not yeah. being a Cleveland born and bred guy, just a Columbus based follower of Cleveland sports. Like, I was like, all right, these guys seem cool. So I got a hold of them. They're like, yeah, we're looking for riders, but we don't really need anybody for the Indians. Would you be interested in doing some football? And I was like, all right, I guess, you know, I could do that. And then that's when I started to look at football, which ironically, I had a far deeper knowledge base than baseball, but the Browns had just kind of worn me down. And I was just kind of like very interested as, you Did know, you say as that? anybody. <laughs> yeah. how is that possible impossible yeah, exactly right <laughs> so they had like yeah they had like fucking worn me down so i'm like all right i guess i'll write on the browns and they go oh and set oh and 16 that year and i'm yeah. like but at the, it, it, while i was doing it i was like i was like i'm gonna put out these monday film rooms where i just i was i had a really lucky at the time i had this job where i was in marketing and i had this job where like 80% of my day was just nothing. I'd make a lot of calls sure. and then in a hurry. And then there was a lot of nothing and they didn't monitor your computers. So I was just like at my work computer, just like rewatching games on game pass and just making little clips from a screen recorder at work. So I was very lucky there for a while because I mean, you know, if anybody had a regular nine to five, I wouldn't have been able to do this all day, but for the most part I was. Yeah. So like I grew this following in 2017, tweeting out things. I noticed why this, 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 this happened whatever that's about and when i found you on twitter for sure yeah 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 that's when it kind of took off yeah. and then um the obr came to knock like at the end of that year like hey man we really like this sort of stuff you're doing and then mm -hmm. you know it's grown from there it's just i've kind of i've morphed it into some different things a podcast i was lucky to get in really early with blue wires podcasting company kevin jones who used to be a cleveland guy yeah has grew this gigantic company i was like the fourth guy he hired and he's if you follow from afar, he's I didn't know up, Kevin. Man. I didn't know Kevin Jones kind of ran blue. I didn't know that. Oh, that's his baby, man. Yeah, I, I was did, on a I podcast. No clue. <laughs> he hooked me up. Ted, Ted Wynn was looking for a Browns guy and Ted's an athletic writer out there mm -hmm. on the West coast in, in very well respected. And he's like, Hey man, we need a Browns guy. Can you come on? Um, he, he knew a guy who knew me through the blue, through, through the OBR. And he's like, yeah, I'll go on Ted's podcast. Well, he, Kevin heard me on Ted's podcast. I came in, I see you're growing a follower base in Cleveland. Would you want to get on a podcast? I was like, sure. sure. So, um, so I, 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 I kind of sprung into that. And then the OBR has been great to me and I've done some work with cleveland.com too, but yeah. Um, it's just, it's been good, man. It's, it's really, it's a mixture of a, of a writing background. So I know how to put sentences together and, and a, an, an understanding of football in a way that I, I don't, I'm not a self-absorbed dude. I don't, I don't gloat. I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not overly proud, but like not many people do it the way I do it. No. So like I carved, I carved a niche out that I've seen now some more people following in the, in the, in the media yes. base of Cleveland. And that's cool, man. Like, yeah. no, because nobody was doing it at the time. No, you're and, right. You're right. And, and not and, only was no one really doing it in Cleveland for Browns, X's and O's film breakdown like that. There really wasn't a lot national. I mean, there's some, no. there was all, there's always been some, but not a lot. Yeah. It, yeah. You're right. 
great idea dude and it's something that you're really good at i know you're a humble dude but i mean you watching like during the season bro like i looked forward to your baker mayfields like it was the most thing i looked forward to because it was what i think myself and a lot of browns fans really wanted to know going into last year is baker the guys baker the guy and sure. you know watching those breakdowns of baker man it was very one entertaining and two educational dude i mean there's no well, other way yeah yeah i mean that's that's kind of the morph how it all morphs so like i spent a ton of time doing this stuff at work and then i uh, that company shut down really ugly ceo suing ceo thing yeah and then that company shut down so i i, I got a different nine to five because writing alone doesn't pay the bills i don't know if people know this it's not all glamorous independent yeah. contract writing it doesn't no. pay all the bills but at the same time it kind of morphed into like a new job I got, you know, with my current wife and we had a baby in 2018. So like yeah. my time became much more condensed. <laughs> so I've tried to find specific ways. It's really hard, man, because like you have to dump a ton of time into it. And, you know, like the John, I don't know if you put saw recently, I put out a film room on John Johnson. Like I, yeah, they yeah. signed John Johnson that day. I, I was alone with Porter. I think it was a Monday. It was Monday when free kicked off. Yeah. So I was alone with Porter all day. So I can't, I can't do any writing. He's still, he's three. If you don't know my yeah, background, yeah. like he's three, I've got, I'm with him all day. He goes down at eight o'clock, you know, Kelby gets home from work at eight o'clock. She's a Monday, Thursday hair, hairstylist. So she's full days, those two days. And it's like, I sat down at like nine 30 to start on this film room. I watched as many games as possible in a short span. I was up till 5. AM. Right? Yeah. You're up like, all night. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, like you have to be, <laughs> if you want to get it out and be ahead of it, you have oh, to yeah. be. So like, that's, you know, and I try to pride myself on not just cutting up like a couple things and claiming to have watched it. Like I want to watch it all so that when people ask or meet insights or I have to go on the radio or whatever, I, I don't just sound like like a, like some <laughs> jackass spewing. I always use a 62.3 PFF grade. Like, like <laughs> you, I want I understand, you know, like I understand what he does well and what he doesn't do well. So yeah. I'm not trying to knock anybody who does that. But like, no, for I sure. think there's no, a I difference between tiptoeing into the water of like watching a guy and actually, you know, diving in and really watching plays that don't show up with a grade next to it kind of shit so yeah. um you know you try to do your best with this stuff like i haven't been able to get troy hill's film done because i've just been busy but sure you know you if it's a full-time gig that that changes things you can work oh, on it all day but absolutely. i got other priorities too at the same time so absolutely no it, yeah but the big the baker stuff's fun the big talking my microphone around here the baker stuff's fun like i try to i want to be consistent with that so every every week mm -hmm. i mean what people in Cleveland will always be most interested in is Baker. It's always yeah. going to be him for now. And if he's the quarterback for the next 15 years, what does he do? Well, what it doesn't he do well. So I'm going to try to do my best to get that up every week, but yeah, then it's just attacking a couple big things and, you know, down the road as, as Porter grows older and, and that stuff, I'll have more time, but you just, we just try to like at the OBR, we try to do between if you're familiar with us, like Lane does a ton of great stuff inside the building. We brought yeah. a really nice guy named Brad Steinbrook on who's got a lot of agent connections and we try to do the film room stuff and we try to do the draft stuff. You had Steven Brown's mock on, on your last episode. Yep. Um, who's just as good as they come man, in terms yeah. of applying the time it takes to understand prospects. So we try to get it all like is, is, is as big a group as we can with Fred Greetham does our beat writing stuff too. So we try to do everything as best we can. It is a nice, that's what I, one thing I've always liked in, about the OBR in, in recent years. It's a nice mixed bag of every one of you kind of do something, bring something else to the table. That's good. All of you. That's why it's, it's fun. And speaking of Baker, let's kind of segue into that real quick. Um, 
you know, obviously I'd, I'd, I want to talk a little bit about Baker with you because one, I've just, I've watched every film breakdown you did after every game. And like most Browns fans, my biggest question of going into the 2020 season was, is Baker Mayfield the guy, obviously. Um, what clicked for him, man? Because weeks, I'm not going to lie, man. I, I never really wavered, but week six, week six at the Steelers, I started to let doubt creep in. And then, heaven behold, the rest of the season, he goes for 16 touchdowns and two picks. What the fuck happened? What clicked? <laughs> What changed? Listen, I don't don't be ashamed to admit you had doubts. I don't think oh. anybody should be ashamed to admit that. In terms of like, even if they creeped in after last year, yeah, or in the middle of last year, the football is so fickle, man. Like, you can have a great rookie year and then just be exposed because the it's it's a constant chess match where defensive coordinators figure out things about you, and sometimes they can figure out in the middle of a week, and sometimes they can figure it out after they. We have 16 games of evidence now where Baker Mayfield struggles to throw to his left side. And if we can take that away from him and he'll always scramble, right. That's just this this thing. And maybe you don't know that in season, they figure it out. So what I'm getting at is like, it's hard for me because I was okay. We we're backtracking a little bit here and I don't know if you care if I, no, no, not at all, man. Lay it on me, brother. You want to, you want to talk about like when, when I got into the Brown stuff, like hardcore, like, okay, I'm going to get back into this because it's waiting for next year stuff's taking off. It was ironically when they had Deshaun Kaiser and we could all kind of start to creeping into that year as the yeah. middle of the year hit, you know, we all like week one with they played Pittsburgh and came here and they almost beat Pittsburgh. We're like, okay, maybe Deshaun's got something here yeah. by the middle of the year creeping on. You're like, it's not going to work out. So like the 2018 draft class of quarterbacks was it. And I remember watching, following, paying attention closely to people who like, are usually voices heard in Brown's Twitter about the draft. And Steven was kind of on the fringe. He was very new to it then, but mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. Pete, Pete Smith and some other guys. who I respect who do their homework and do the, yeah. no one's talking, no one's talking about Baker Mayfield. I'm like, Nope, this kid is really fucking good. And yeah. I don't know why we're not talking about him just because he's maybe six foot. Hope I can cuss bro. No, but I, yeah. like <laughs> fucking hell. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm just sitting here and I remember having some Twitter conversations with people like, why are we loving Josh Rosen? But I don't understand what I'm missing with Baker. And I, I just remember, and again, my circle was small-ish right. at that time, so I yes. wasn't paying attention to a ton of people, but I wrote this article on like the second week of the year and why Baker Mayfield should be seriously considered and comparing him to Johnny Manziel was a huge mistake. Yeah. And other people did that version of it as the year wore on, but like, I was just like, what, what am I missing? And clearly I wasn't missing anything because they took him first, but like, I've been a believer in Baker from the moment I really started to study quarterbacks. So it was really disheartening to me to watch his rookie year. That was so good. Yeah. Kind of meander, meander into this year two of, of just oh. mediocrity and, yeah. and ugliness and bad habits. Cause yeah. there were definitely, there were definitely bad habits that he had that translated from Oklahoma. You started to see them as rookie year and then year two kind of, um, I guess propelled some of them, put them in line. The stuff that started to creep in these bad habits, like we saw them again, come up and I wrote about them all off season. We saw them again, come up in week one against Baltimore. And I'm like, I had to write an article on it. Like there's some serious concerns with Baker Mayfield and those kept happening through the next few weeks. And to the point where week seven, you know, week six happens, like you said, Pittsburgh, which yeah. is just a debacle. Oh. And then week seven happens. He comes out the open. Yeah. 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 Week seven comes week seven. He comes out and throws that interception on the opening drive. It's just a terrible throw. And 
for no reason throws that ball to Odell when he has curl flat on his left side to read yep. easy cover three read. So I listen, man, it got to the point where I was talking with people that I have these conversations with. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I, this, he might not be the dude here. We might have to have some serious questions by the end of the season. Now he took off. So like, yeah, I, I, I try to backtrack it as Baker is, He's dealt with so much. He dealt with a lame duck head coach when he arrived. Yep. And I don't think people, God, I don't think people take that serious enough that they decided to keep Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley comes in and they hated each other, hated each other. right away Ooh, to yeah. the point that they, that they couldn't even keep Todd Haley because those two had hated each other so much and caused a rift and even tore Baker to apart yeah. to the point that they didn't feel comfortable keeping Todd to just keep the offense afloat with the same guy for Crazy. the rest of the year. So then it's like, okay, then this weird shit happens with Freddie Kitchens where it takes off because all he does is, is ask his guys, hey, man, what do you guys want to run? What are you comfortable with? Basic shit like that. And they have a great second half against admittedly a weak schedule. Yeah, Admittedly a weak schedule. And then they go and say, okay, well, I guess we just got to hire the guy. And I'm okay. I was a yeah. believer in Freddie. I'll admit it. Yeah. I was like, shit, man, it's working. Why? Break I it thought up? it was bizarre at the time. I thought it was a little, I mean, I'm. I, I'm a Browns fan. I always roll with it. I'm not one of these super like, no, you can't fucking do that. What's the matter with you? Well, except when they drafted bread and weed and I thought they were other fucking minds. But, <laughs> but usually I'm like, okay, you know, I'll roll with it. And I was willing to roll with Freddie, even though I thought it was a little bit of a bizarre hire at the time. I'm, I'm going to be honest, dude. Like I was all in on it. I, to yeah. the point that I was like, hey, I don't yeah, blame man, you they guys. Found yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just looking back on it now, there's a lot of things I've learned from missing on that whole thing. But like the things that were weird when you really look back on it <coughs> is, is they never announced his contract. They never said no. he's gotten a four-year deal to me. And I was just talking so with somebody weird. on Twitter about this the other day. Like, I think there was some language written in this contract where he got a buyout. There was a certain amount that they were, there was an Probably. NDA on what there's no reason why we've never heard what the contract language was or the money involved. It's so weird and i think freddie got offered a job and was like hell yeah man i don't care what it's i don't care what the language is i just want to be head coach in the nfl because like a yeah. hundred a hundred guys in, in a 10-year span get this opportunity yeah, like i'm fucking blame it. him man yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and like god i'll never forget i got people that, that were telling me that in the senior bowl at veets which is a popular bar down at the senior bowl there and and uh, they were just telling me freddie was roasted the first night there and i'm like god oh, that's what you want to hear about your new head coach but that that the thing that's amazing is like you could just see how over 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 his head Freddie was about this whole job about who he brought in. He brought in people who clearly didn't respect him, who clearly no. didn't follow his leadership. And Todd no. Monken, I remember asking Todd Monken up in Berea, I said, "Hey man, what do you have? You communicate with Freddie? Like, what's your role going to be? If you're not calling plays, what's your role?" And he's like, "Yeah, we haven't really talked about that. We don't know. We're going to get it figured out." It was like a week before the preseason, and it was that's... like there's just. They're just these little signs. So you you go into year two with a discombobulated Yikes. head coach with a poor plan, with poor poor game day play calling ability in terms of being able to handle all that it is to be head coach. So I'm working back in circles here to say that Baker's had to deal with a lot of shit to get where he was. He finally got a structured head coach who understands his system. He understands the people he needs to bring in to coach his system. Mm -hmm. And he didn't get the needed time to work with those people. So I do think the first three, one third of the season was – feeling out how this offense works now i'm not inside the playbook i don't know what his read progressions are i don't know how he's taught i don't know if they're 
uh, if they're more a one, two, three progression or a pre-snap to post-snap progression system. I don't know. I'll never know unless I got into Berea and asked them those questions sure. because people think, people think this, 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 this wide zone offense is all these boot action, play action fakes. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. They're in like 45 of those this year. They don't do that shit that often. They really you really don't. have a bunch of different things that they do. And they do a lot of shotgun throwing in the last half of the season was a lot of a lot. Baker throwing from the gun and a lot yes. of them throwing from empty. So they started what they I think that what happened was he lost Odell the team lost Odell and they Mm -hmm. they kind of rallied around it and became hyper focused on what is my job and Baker stopped worrying about and I'm not saying because (coughs) excuse me I'm not saying Jake Jake Trotter made a good point here and I'm going to try to circle back to this is is I think what happened was Baker stopped worrying about, he has this new offense. He's kind of working through how I get to where I want to go. Where do I get the football to? He stopped worrying about getting the ball to Odell and it helped him because I think that sometimes if you have an elite wide receiver, it's okay. Odell's lined up on my left. Do I need to get him the ball? Are they playing off coverage? Where is his guy? Can I throw him here? Can I say, can I say, fuck the read and just throw the ball to Odell? Oh man, I haven't, I haven't thrown, I haven't thrown the ball to Odell in a couple series. I probably should try to get him one. And the same thing happens to Stefanski. He's going to start, Hey, do I need to get him it's a play? In the back of your head. It's in the back of their heads constantly. And, yeah. that, and that's nothing against Odell. It's just, no. I think what happened was there was some of that going on. Now is, is Baker having played the rest of the year really efficiently and coming to an understanding because Kevin Stefanski had a really enlightening uh, bi-week uh, conversation. I think it was, I think it might've been on Cleveland Browns daily. I don't know. It was, it was somewhere, maybe even 92, three, we just talked about having actual time to finally sit down with Baker and go through what has worked well, what he doesn't like, what he does like, where he's comfortable, where he's not. And those two started to click the second half of the season. Now there were some really tough weather games in there, but there were also some games where Baker yeah. was just completely dealing in, on point. And Absolutely. he got to the point that he was so efficient through some of the things they're helping him with, but also some of the natural quarterback things, progressions, throws, yes. working through, through, through protection things that he, he just was doing really well. And I think it just, sometimes it, it, it just clicks. And I think it clicked now, what I'm excited about is if you have this quarterback who can become hyper-confident in this offense, can understand where the football needs to go at all times, mm-hmm. and then you bring back in a, a quarterback, a, a weapon like Odell Beckham yeah. with with the understanding that Odell's like, hey, man, these guys can do this shit without me. I need to get on board. And, and, Baker, and Baker now being more confident in what he's doing, understanding the game seemed to slow down for him, in my opinion, if, he's, if he feels like that because um, he has – the proper quarterback room leadership around him as a coach. He has the right system. He has a right head coach that he believes in. He really likes his offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt. If he has that, that synergy that is so important. And we get this rare thing where the Browns bring back almost every single buddy in the building from a coaching perspective and a front office perspective. And again, that is so rare for Cleveland that you feel really good about these guys all getting the necessary time to work together. And now you wrinkle back in. Okay. Now we bring back Odell with Baker, knowing where to go with the football all the time, having confidence he can do it without Odell and knowing now that if he just continues to just view it as this harmonious machine and can get Odell the football, just like he got, you know, Donovan people's Jones, the football or, 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 Kaderil Hodge, yeah. Then there's something there, bro. So that's that's the thing, and he trusts his line now too. You got you can't forget. Yes, he went through 2019. Don't undersell trusting, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he went through 2019 feeling skittish about his offensive line, and he got a lot of bad scrambling traits. He fought those demons early in the season, and there he were did. several instances I pointed out where it's like, okay, I think Baker really wanted to tuck and run there. He could feel him trying to escape, but then he sat down and threw it, and I think he worked through those demons mentally. 
And now he'll be comfortable holding on to the football a little bit longer and giving a guy like Odell, who's a two plant wide receiver, has a little bit of wiggle to what he does. It's a little different than some other people. I can give him a little bit more time to be open because it's something that people don't talk about enough with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is another wrinkle type of route runner where I'm going to set you up this way to go this way. I'm going to give you this, that, or the other. Well, Josh Allen holds on to the football a long time. And that gives Stephon Diggs the ability to get open. So can we see Baker have that confidence now feeling comfortable with his five guys coming back healthy, feeling comfortable with the system to give Odell that little bit more time to get open, to make that extra cut. That's the shit I'm excited about, yeah. man. So, and the, and the, the good thing is too, and we'll kind of cap off the Baker thing yeah. is like, they could sign in, but I don't think there's a rush. And I don't think there's a rush from Cleveland's perspective, which is a good thing. And I don't think there's a rush from Baker's perspective, which is another good thing because they, the thing that sucks is typically you draft a quarterback, um, and you have three years to really evaluate them. And then yeah. you can go in to say, okay, we'll pick up your fifth year option, or we'll give you this second contract because you're kicking right. ass. Well, the Browns cut off Baker's <laughs> first two years because they'd made shitty coaching decisions. Yes. And then you had to rush this evaluation between head coach and quarterback. And it's like, okay, Baker caught on the last half, two thirds of the year. Do we throw him a $150 million contract now? Well, we probably want to, we feel kind of good about it. But did he really make those steps? Can he handle a packed stadium in Pittsburgh on week 16 with the playoffs yeah. on the line with the crowd? There's some of that stuff I think they still want to evaluate. Sure. I expect them fully to pick up his fifth-year deal, yeah. uh, fifth-year of his, uh, on his contract. Absolutely. I, I don't want to say I'll be stunned if they give him a contract, but I'd be really surprised because I think that Baker also sees – the con the, the cap is going to go back go up, up to hunt two ten and I oh, got, yeah. if I ball out like I believe Baker's <laughs> Baker's never he's never been a dude who doubts himself. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So he thinks he's going to go into next year and yes. just rip shit apart again. So he's like, hey, man, I go 35 touchdowns, eight picks, 4,500 yards or 4,000 yards or whatever, because they don't throw it a ton. Maybe they do more next year. We'll see. But if I throw for 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, six, seven, eight picks, I got to I'm going to go to the table with 200 million. So like he's probably like, OK, with it, you know, so absolutely there's there's both sides of that. And I think the Browns could say, hey, man, what number do you like right now? Uh, would you be interested in this kind of, I, there might be some of that, but I just expect a fifth year pickup. And then, then those conversations become, if he balls the first third of the season, they could make a deal. Like they could, mm -hmm. they could make a deal in season. So we'll just have to keep our eye on it, but I don't think that they'll rush into it either side of that thing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Yeah, I, 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 I see both sides to it, I suppose. If they believe in him and they want to just give him now and give him the contract now and not wait for him to blow up next year and, and pay a lot more, I could see that. But I definitely see them waiting to see. I, there's no... I think Steven and I talked about this in our first, my first, in the first episode of the show. And gosh, I'm glad I'm not the one making these decisions. That's all. I don't know how these NFL GMs. I mean, yeah. this is a, this is a serious, tough decision. I mean, it's a tough decision. It kind of is. Yeah. And the, the, the thing with Baker, man, where he just, everything just started to click. And as a novice, just watching on TV as a novice, two things I noticed that were just night and day. And it feel like it happened overnight. One, he got he got way more comfortable in the pocket. I don't know. It's just something clicked. He was just way more, he wasn't abandoning the pocket anymore. And he mm-hmm. looked comfortable in his progressions going through his reads and on to the second read and third read, and dare I say fourth read. Um, I know yeah. that's some of the same shit that you saw, I'm sure, right? Yeah, no, I I I, I think you saw less double clutching of the football. Yeah, so less uncertainty it, on where his less eyes. indecisiveness. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And and his eyes, I felt like his eyes were typically in the right place where he wanted yeah. them to be. And, you know, he, when he's really confident, the football comes out pretty quick. So that's that's a part of what he likes to do. And he yeah. does he doesn't like to be uh, a sit back on my heels and pop my no. feet around and then throw it late. He likes he to get, to the get it out where it needs to go. Yeah, yeah he's he's a very timing based quarterback. Yes. So um I think there's good synergy there between his 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 approach to the position and an offense that's predicated heavily on timing because they do. I know guys who run the wide zone stuff don't want to say their passing game is 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 West Coast offense based, but it is. It just is. It's very timing based, and they they try to keep reads midfield to half field, and and that's what he's good at. So it's it's a good mesh, and he could have a really big year next year. One more question about Baker, then we'll move on to some free agency talk. Um, Outside, like, I think pretty much most of Brown's, most of Brown's nation has come around and they're behind Baker. I, I think that's pretty obvious. But what, what is up with all the national hate on Baker? Whether that's media, fans, other fans of the other NFL teams. Why do people hate Baker Mayfield? Well, it starts with the, they don't like his personality. They think he's brash and all that stuff. And that's yep. carried over from Oklahoma. They saw him, you know, they, you got to think about what they see. So, sure, you know, they see the screaming. They see the, dating back to, to the game at Ohio State. They see all that. They see the nut grabbing. They see that. Then, you know, in the NFL, he's, he's, he's having this really good rookie season. And it's like people were questioning Brown, that because yeah. they question any rookie who has sure. a, a really good season. Then he has a, a bad second season with these this joke coming in that he scrambles to the right all the time and he can't read the football field and, and not understanding the failures that were going on around him. And then, you know, when it jumps into year three, people, you know, you see the Baltimore game where he had some misses where people were making very public posts about it. And then all the way to the Pittsburgh game that he had the quick pick six. And like, you just got to think about if we watch hundred percent of the Browns, other people watch 2%. They watch what's yep. shown to them on social media. Absolutely. So like, do you remember the Jacksonville game where he missed that, 
He missed yes. a read to Higgins on a little pin cross combination to his left yes. side. And they both the Jags jumped the guy on the corner route and he took the underneath was wide open. He just kind of didn't mm-hmm. see it and then double clutched and missed it. That's the shit they see, but they don't see everything else. So then they get this public perception of who he is. And it's that's wild. what I liked about the playoffs was he, he got to put himself on that stage National and he played stage. well against Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I thought he played pretty well other than one throw against Kansas city. He played really well. That's how he's going to curb national yeah. opinion because they see some of those little things and don't pay attention. Like if you really dig in and you look at, and you do, I listen, I, I get pro football focus a hard time sometimes, but I've, I've seen the inside of how they do quarterback rating. And I really believe in it. There's some yeah. positions I don't love how they do it, mm-hmm. but their quarterback stuff is really great. Good. John Costco who's a good dude. He's on. Yeah. He's great. Most John's, often. John's he, great. He le- yeah. He's, he's good people, man. And he leads the whole thing, how they evaluate it. So I believe in how they grade quarterbacks and he was a top two or three quarterback the last two thirds of the year. And people yeah. don't want to always look at that. They just want to say, well, he has Nick Chubb. They just want to give other people credit. <laughs> so listen, the, the way, the way they, they, they do, they give the supporting cast all this credit. And it's like the, the only way he'll, yeah. The only way he'll, he'll turn it around nationally is when, is when he plays national games and balls out and he's got to keep doing well in the playoffs. And then eventually it, the tide shifts, you know, People gave Drew Brees a hard time. People gave Tom Brady. Sure. They give all those guys for sure a hard time. And, you know, and a shorter white quarterback who has this background of Johnny Manziel being in Cleveland and just like, I hate that guy, that yeah. type of guy. It just is a stigma. So he has yeah. to keep up. And, I, and, and really, as we wrap up Baker, like I couldn't be more proud of him because he could have faltered so many times. He could have folded. No, he's a tough, he's tough. So, so many he's times tough, to the bullshit that happens in Cleveland and the bullshit that's done publicly. And like, it's hard for him because he doesn't like to be that guy. He doesn't like to be the, the guy people pick and poke on. That's why he, he had a hard time in early in his career. Sure. He was constantly jabbing back at people like Colin Cowherd and those who went after him unnecessarily yep. because he hates that shit. But I think he's grown up. It's hard to, you got to remember sometimes, man, these guys are 23, 24, 25, and we do dumb shit when we're young. Yes, absolutely. And it's like, and it's like you would, everybody would like to have back something that happened to them at that age. And it's like, (laughs) how much time you got? Yeah, I know, bro. That's a different podcast. I I got a whole list here. (laughs) I know, man. I could put it in numerical form if you want it, but yeah, like you grow. And I think he's gotten to the point now where he's brushed a lot of that shit off and it doesn't phase him anymore. And I think that's, that's, that's a thing that I've really liked to see. Yeah, what what made me think about asking that question? Like literally before we logged on here, I was just on Twitter, just browsing like I usually do. Hayden Grove, who might be coming on the show in April, guys. I uh, love Hayden. Shout out from Cleveland.com. Um, the game day NFL posted something on Instagram, and I guess Baker took notice to it. But it was essentially Heisman bust. Who was the most disappointing? And it had Tim Tebow, Robert Griffin the Third, Baker. Vince Young, Johnny, and Sam Bradford. How the fuck is Baker even considered on this list? I don't understand it. It's just, there's just so much unnecessary hate towards the guy. It's unbelievable. Like, did you not watch last year? Did you not see? Yeah, and I I don't think people understand the situation that he arrived in. I just, oh, it was a shit show. I just don't think people understand it. They were one in 31. Like, how many guys? could come in and just overcome that shit i just oh, i just don't mercy. i think people will continue oh. to sleep on the wreck that the browns were when he arrived and the wreck they were as he tried to overcome it the first years before he finally yeah. got an actual decent 
head coach in the building. It's amazing to me. It's in, isn't it? Isn't it wild? And speaking it's, of not, it is wild. not only do we have a good head coach in the building, we have a good GM in the building now. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say it, bro. Andrew Barry's killing it this offseason, isn't he? He's killing it. He's 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 uh, let me say this. I think Andrew Barry's great. I don't know. I think there's a giant team that helps make these decisions. Paul P. Sure. P. Podesta is heavily Absolutely. involved. I think they have some guys whose names we don't even know about yeah, who are heavily sure. involved. But ultimately, Andrew Barry gets all the credit or all the blame, and he deserves the credit. Like he, but I, I, what I'm getting at is like I don't know who. Maybe someone bends his ear and says John John. There's little shit like that that Andrew yeah, knows and course. nobody else knows. But like he's the leader. I think they're doing a great job with sticking to their budget, understanding the cap rollover. They're 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 Insane. way smarter than everybody else in terms of how we view it and the things we think we know we don't know. So like, but 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 about the cap and shit like yeah, that. I mean, yeah, how, I mean how, how they're how they're structuring these contracts. Where <laughs> I say, in a sense, in an essence, I used to hate this term, but it's kind of true. Manipulating the cap to a certain extent, it, it's crazy with these structured deals they're doing. I mean, like Troy, yeah, the, Troy the Hill is like a yeah. one and a half million hit one and a myth one and a half million dollar hit on the cap this year or something like that i believe it was troy hill it's crazy go yeah, ahead man yeah no no they're doing a nice job with the void year stuff that's become popular across the league so sure. they can spread out cap hits so i listen i don't i i think they're doing a really good job about not going crazy i do think mm-hmm. they were in on carl lawson and missed i think they really wanted him and i also think they were in on jj and missed yeah i think they really wanted him too but that they were okay with missing because they could do some different things uh, to, to get themselves in the right position. So I, I, I just like it. They're not overspending, but they are spending on certain things that make sense for them. Like they knew they needed coverage. And I was preaching yeah. this all off season, man. Middle like, of the secondary. We, 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 we really need, we need pass rushers and we, uh, that's cool, but you have to understand that the problem with the Browns was their entire secondary was a bunch of Waldos and defenses offenses get to the line of scrimmage. And they say the phrase like, man, I heard a popular offensive coach and I've been saying it all like they get up there and they say, where's Waldo, where's the guy we can pick on. And the Browns had a secondary full of guys for the most part who could be picked on. So you had Denzel and then you got to figure out how do we raise the basement of the problem of our defense and that's going and getting coverage guys. So they've done a nice job, man. And they have a, they have more money to spend a little bit more money to spend. And um, I think they, they certainly have a draft that is full of coverage guys that can help, but I don't think they're done along the defensive line either. I think they're going to be really patient now. Wait on guys like Carlos Dunlap, mm-hmm. wait on guys like um, Clowney, you know, Clowney's still floating out there. Uh, Vinny Curry, veteran type players mm-hmm. who are still floating out there. There's a lot add. actually. What they don't want to do is go into the draft and say, we need this position filled. We have to use the sure. draft to fill this position because then you start drafting need instead of the best player. So I think that their whole thing is we want to draft at 26, 56, 89, 81 as, as I think it's 59. I messed that up. But yeah, anyway, I think, I think they want to, yeah, uh, they, they want to go into those positions and say, Hey man, we like this player the best. Right. I don't give a shit where he plays. We like him. We want him. He's going to be a big part of it. And they have positions that are not very certain past 2021. So I think that's smart. Like the interior defensive line yeah, is uncertain after everyone's yeah, coming off like, the books well, next year. I mean, pretty wide much, right? receiver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wide receiver. will have everybody essentially able to be moved if they want to. Yep. Uh, Austin Hooper will be able to be moved. Yes. The Joku's. Yeah, Njoku's contract will be up too. So they have positions that they, they're trying to eye the future on. So, you know, a lot of people say, I don't think they're going to spend all 10 picks. And I'm like, I don't know, or whatever, nine picks. I'm like, I don't, 
I don't, I don't know why they wouldn't. They're trying to look at the future here. They might bump a couple picks into a rollover to next year, but yeah, they they, they got things to look at in the future. And you want to you want to get rookies in if the if the right guy's there. You want to get them in to get into your system so that you're not counting on a bunch of rookies and free agents in 2021. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. But they're doing. Look to your answer your free agency question. They've made a bunch of wise signings and a bunch oh. of good prices. And even the price they got based on how the contract structures with John Johnson is phenomenal oh. too. Essentially a two year oh. deal. So you feel good about not locking anything crazy up for, for the foreseeable future, because they do have guys finally in house that they want to do that for. They People will argue about Nick left and right, but the top running backs are getting paid. And if they don't pay Nick some money, I'll be stunned. I, I just, yeah, I will be stunned if they let Nick Chubb go to another yeah. team after, after next year. So I'll be paying very close attention to that. Uh, you know, Denzel's going to get paid. Uh, they want to take care of Baker. Uh, they might extend some of these, middle tier guys we'll, we'll see like there's 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 finally in-house talent that they can yeah. keep around man so it's exciting yeah no and it's 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 different for not only the organization but browns fans to be in this situation that's what that's what's kind of made this offseason unique for me is the, the approach to free agency and the approach to the draft is completely different than years past uh i mean 2016 2017 during the sashi era you, they were just trying to acquire assets as many draft picks as they possibly could and now it's not, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, it's more of, they just want to get in the, they want to bring in players that can help now and for the future. Um, but getting Johnson, John Johnson, the third and Troy Hill, that those moves, obviously didn't surprise a lot of us uh, because they're perfect fits for Joe Woods dive defense. So uh, where do you see John Johnson, the third, is going to make a big impact, isn't he? Because I, I know you, I, I, I watched your your breakdown, but if you could just talk a little bit of the impact he's going to have on that defense real quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a guy who is, um, I put it this way. I think John Johnson is who we all wanted or hoped Demarius Randall could become. Sure. Um, in, in terms of John is a, a versatile football player. I'll start with the only negative is that he's not an, a, a ridiculously explosive athlete. He he's like a four, six, one 40 and a pretty yeah, solid that. change of direction drills, but not. So he's not a real center fielder type free safety all mm-hmm. the time, but he, he can do it. He can do half field coverage, quarters coverage. He can be the single eye safety. He usually hovered like 80 to a hundred of those every year in his four years. We played three full years. He had the shoulder injury in 2018, but yeah, uh, well, sorry, it's 2019. So he played with Wade Phillips defense is such a smart guy. One of the best to ever do it. And then Brandon Staley, who we know had a great year last year. Now the chargers head coach. So he's been around smart defensive people, which is a nice thing. And then uh, obviously it's, it's, it's the leadership thing that off the field. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to try to sound like the Jarvis defender people here. Like he he's, he's, he is a great vocal leader for a defense. You don't as a safety get the opportunity to do what he's done. And that's call a defense, you know, where the green dot is the, is the radio uh, mm-hmm. helmet for, for calling plays and that stuff, unless a coach really believes in you he's and trusts you. you and you're going to be on the field every single snap. Absolutely. So he does that. Like, that's a big deal. And if you go, I would encourage anybody. And I wrote this at the end of my film room was go watch his, his mic'd up sessions, man. If you want to see what type of duty is not just on the field, like talking, barking, helping people align, but how he talks to officials and how he talks to his coaches and players around him and gets people vibed up and like how players talk to him. Cause that's how important, man. The, the respect guys show to him, especially big time quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers in that mic'd up game is, is real. Yes. Like there's a real respect for him. So 
you take all of that, and, and I think he's the perfect vocal leader for a defense on the back half to balance out the Miles Garrett lead by example, silence leadership type up front. That is, it's going to be a really good yin and yang there. I'm excited about that. He knows he's played with Aaron Donald. He's got inside information on how Aaron Donald became Aaron Donald. Like that yeah. stuff's real, man. Like he's Fuck been yeah. around real players and he's been around absorbing real that shit. I mean, that's a real then, thing, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, and then there's the shit he does on the field, which is it's <laughs> phenomenal. Like he'll, he'll play, like I said, he'll play free and half field coverage from deep. He'll play over the slot. He's he'll line up one-on-one and cover tight ends outside He'll play in the box as a linebacker mm-hmm. or walk down an edge and run support. And he plays the run like a bitch, man. Like he comes yeah. up and hits you. He feels running. He is a, where's my run fit? I'm coming downhill and I'm going to make plays. He's, he's, he delivers hits. He's not a big, big body, but he no. delivers hits. He's not afraid of contact. Uh, he's really, really effective in coverage in terms of uh, being where he needs to be because of his his study his prep he made note of that especially when he missed the year with the injury the, he missed yeah he missed like two-thirds of 2019 with that shoulder right and he was really noted like the cerebral part of the game is where I've, I've become really good what I'm best at and he mentioned that in 2018 so like he's he's a he's a big pre- preparation guy just he's I talk about this all the time that there are two types of leaders there's there's the there's the thermometer leaders and then there's the thermostat leaders man guys like who can get up and be leaders when the moment is around them raising or guys who bring the temperature up the thermostat guys who bring the temperature up by themselves. He just, the presence of that person brings up everybody around him. He's that type of dude. So uh, on the field, but again, man, when the football is arriving, he's really, he's really adept at staying away from penalties, only two penalties in the entire NFL career um, in coverage. And that's remarkable. It's it's pretty remarkable. Say that one more time. I, I have to go back and check it, but I, I'm pretty sure he's only had two penalties in coverage wow. his entire career. So that is you impressive. Know. Yeah. Well, see, it, it, everything that I'm picking up on on him. I mean, I already knew him well. I already knew he was a good player, but yeah. I mean, everything the 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 leadership that he has, uh, the the versatility he has, and he seems to be super intelligent. Which yeah. what you just told me that's just all instincts and intelligence right there and discipline yeah yeah and a guy who's got great ball skills like if you watch some of the freaking interceptions he's able to make yeah so i think he's one of the best free agent signings they've had in a long time Uh, now that that's arriving now how he produces after arrival will be will be interesting it's like brown's luck of all these years is yeah he like slips on a banana peel in training camp type of bullshit but but in terms of in terms of like what he can bring absolutely if it works out and he yeah, stays the same paper. and the way he is as a person is is like i don't know why he wouldn't um god willing everything works out they're getting a hell of a football player man not not in a person too he seems like just a great yeah person. everything everything checks out with the dude and i'm i'm super excited what hell of an addition by by the browns one one free agent um we, we spoke about edge a little bit earlier not too much but do they I'm not sure of this. I can't answer this question. I don't even know if you can. Do they feel are they viewing Tack McKinley as a starter? Is that well? They really wanted him. I mean, I they, they claimed they claimed him multiple times three in the times? season. Like three, yeah. Times. Like they really wanted him, and they they made a move to get him quickly here. Maybe they are. Maybe they think that's what they, they like Tack, and they want to draft another guy to play behind him and groom. And I, I, 
I mean, there are guys out there that would be fun to go get, but I do think that they want to draft an edge early at either 26 or 59 and then, and then like groom him to be the long-term player there. But they also think tack might have a lot of juice left in him. He's only 25, man. Like, and he's sometimes that change of scenery, maybe he hated, I don't know. His first three years, he was fine. Yeah. He uh, even had an eight C and an eight sack year. He had like 130 pressures over his first three yeah. years. And then there was some discrepancy in Atlanta last year where I don't think he came in in great shape. Then he had an early injury. And then there yes. was questions about he should be playing and he's not playing. Yes. And then it all fell apart. And plus Dan Quinn gets fired and there's just a whole debacle well, going it, on there. Total shit show so, there last year. Yes. Yeah, so, so maybe, maybe. Listen, sometimes if you look at Shaq Barrett in his Denver days, it was very, yeah. very underwhelming. He goes to, to to Tampa Bay last year with the year before last and has a 19 sack season. Like yeah. sometimes a change of scenery and fitting into the right defensive philosophy can, and really playing with he's now he's not a number one anymore. He's a number two. And that matters. You know, he doesn't have that burden. Miles gets all Absolutely. the attention. So it's like you got free rush against the team's worst pass protectors usually at least the worst of the two tackles so go figure it out man like go make plays and just they could really like him i think that that's a question for andrew yeah. Barry that we're gonna figure out soon whether they like him a ton or if they but i i just think that they think that we got a lotto ticket with this guy that could pan out and then yeah. we we're gonna go draft a guy with high upside that we like it it one of our first four picks and bring him in to be the guy to be and then they like porter gustin too so you know sure. we're gonna they're going to roll with that. So if I would listen, I would probably go get another veteran at that position, but I, I would not at all be surprised if they don't don't. Yeah. And then, then you're looking at drafting with one of the first few, few picks in the draft is what you're looking at. Yeah. I, it's like, I, I, I well, number one, the kid had the most memorable draft selection of my entire life of watching the draft McKinley tech McKinley. Um, in, you mentioned his first two years in the league. I, I think he had like 13 sacks combined. He played pretty well. And stacks sacks isn't the all all end all be all, but he like you sure. said too. He had a lot of pressures too. I mean, he was playing pretty yeah. well. He he was at least respectable. Yeah, yeah just at least at a respectable level. So it's not like he can't play, and he's been no. a total bust failure from the start. Like it's a, I just think something happened in year late year three and into year four that it yeah. just fell apart. So I, I was totally respect the lotto ticket on the guy and hope it pans out for him. It's pretty obvious that they love him. I mean, considering three, <laughs> they put in three fucking waiver claims on the dude. I can't. Oh my goodness. Uh, other, 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 other people they signed Troy Hill. You a fan of Troy Hill? I am. <laughs> I love Troy yeah, Hill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm player, down, I have like 25 clips of him right now. I'm trying to put into yeah. this thing for tomorrow. And, yeah, he's good. I mean, he's, he's a he's a far superior player to Kevin Johnson. Nothing yes. against Kevin. He, yeah, absolutely. He plays hard, but I I just don't think Kevin has the physicality. And I think I think Troy is a, a quicker processor. He's got quicker cut. He's got that twitchiness. The, the they call it click and close. I think he's a little better at that. He's, he's smooth, not afraid to play the man. run game. Yeah, smooth. he's not afraid to, afraid to play the run game. He's he's thirty, but he moves like a guy younger. So I I, I think it's a really good signing. I was yeah. a little nervous when I saw four for twenty four. Sure. But then when I saw the breakdown of how it yeah. really falls, it's like, it's not that. And they found themselves a nice way out of it. So I listen, I think Troy's a good player. His stats and production from the slot have been well-documented. He has experience uh, playing outside corner too. So if they need him to do that, and if God forbid something happened to greedy, or if they take a guy and he's not quite ready yet, they got that ability in there too. So he's look, I think he's a, I think he's a really fine top third, maybe even top, top quarter I, I don't know top 10 he's a top 10 minimum 
slot guy in the NFL for this next year coming off of what he has done previously. We'll see if that translates, but in terms of looking at the traits of a guy, I I, I like him a lot. I think he can do a lot of different stuff, man coverage, zone coverage. He can blitz off the edge. He can do run support Mm -hmm. stuff. He's got a little bit of a tackling thing here and there that crops up, but like not to the point that I'm overly concerned. I think it was just a really good signing. Yeah. I'm those, the Johnson and Hill signings, because it's like you said, I mean, yeah, we would all want, I mean, obviously who wouldn't want another stud pass rusher on the other side of miles, but the real problem last year was the sieve that was the Brown secondary. And it was primarily up the middle of the secondary, which Hill mm-hmm. and Johnson are going to fill those spots right up the middle. And I am, I'm just looking forward to see this Joe Woods defense with some horses with some actual horses, like, like a John Johnson and a Troy Hill. That's what I'm and, yeah. and dare I say, once Grand Delta gets healthy and when he gets back, you're going to, yeah. there's going to be a lot of situations where you're going to have Harrison, Harrison Johnson and Delta on the field at the same time. Now that's what I cannot wait to see. Cause then I think they'll draft a safety too. I think sure. they'll go get another guy mid round. And I've said, Vocally, if Trevon Merrick is there in the first round and they don't like anybody else, they, they the kid from TCU, they can yeah. definitely take him too. So the, you can't in today's football with how friendly the passing game is and how often quarterbacks throw, like you got to have a variety of coverage guys and guys who can do both and guys who can be versatile in different personnel groupings. And they sure. can right now. And I think they're going to add another outside corner. Um, and I yeah. think they're going to go draft corners and safeties in this draft because they should like, you got to think about, when games were neutral or the Browns trailed, I thought that their pass rush had a real impact on the game. When when the Browns blew leads open or played from two touchdowns around front, they played softer coverage partly because they didn't, they were so afraid of being beat deep that <laughs> the ball beat, yeah. was coming out. The ball was coming out so quickly. And like it is it is really discouraging for rushers just every snap, you take two steps towards the quarterback and try to make a move and the ball's gone. Like that's a real problem. And they couldn't, they couldn't challenge teams. Um, even in neutral situations, they couldn't challenge teams the way they wanted to. If you think about teams that give the Browns offense fits, you know, Ravens, the chiefs did yeah. it to them. Steelers sure. have on occasion too. is teams that will walk down and play man-to-man defense and grab you and get physical in those first five yards. They didn't trust their guys to do that often no. enough. And especially <laughs> like you said, the middle of the field tight ends have wrecked, you know, wrecked havoc oh. on them oh, Lord. And, and running backs out of the backfield and slot guys. So, I mean, you got to think they've improved the slot. I think Anthony Walker will be a fine addition too. Yeah. And, and improve the safeties who can cover tight ends and, and, uh, and another leader flexibility. type too, which I, which yeah. I, which isn't everything raw, raw guy isn't everything, yeah. but yeah, for, for all, for all, for everything I've, I don't really know much about Anthony Walker other than he played for the Colts and he was a decent player, but everything I'm reading about him I had no idea. Uh, I mean, like, dude, it was crazy when he signed. Like, I, dude, there was like ten Colts players, like almost in tears that he was leaving. <laughs> yeah. Like that, dude. That's that yeah. shit speaks volumes, dude. Like, yeah, it means it means something. Don't see shit yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this yeah. isn't this isn't like this was a uh, perennial All Pro going out the door. Is what I'm getting at. No, you know. No. Yeah. No. It, it definitely. But it mean it means something that when guys like you that much, when they when they claim to have become better players because of you. Yeah, I think that's a big thing that they like about well, I'll preface this by saying like your view of Anthony Walker and you're not knowing much about him or anybody is kind of indicative of their view of the linebacker position as a whole, which is like sure. we just want no name guys who can just yeah. be decent. 
Absolutely. don't want to pay this position much money. We don't want to draft these guys high. We just want decent linebackers and we want to put bitch and safeties on the field and get guys yes. at corner that can cover and yes. a couple guys that can really rush the passer and be good yes. enough. Like that's what they want. And that's great. And I think that's a great philosophy. And if you can go get simultaneously guys like Anthony Walker, who are respectable on the football field, who can move well, who are athletic, but also bring that level of respected leadership from guys around them. Yeah. That's rare, man. You don't, you know, Darius Leonard, who's one of the per, the perennial best linebackers in the league. Oh yeah makes a tribute video for him that's how much yeah. he was impacted that right? stuff matters man so I, I, yes, it does. yeah so if you can get the guys at that position that can lead your your you be a leadership type of personality there are alphas that are guys that that, uh, that 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 raise again people around your defense that raise the room raise the temperature man um that that shit that shit matters so i think he'll help jacob phillips immensely He'll help Mac Wilson try to become better players. I think Jacob Phillips, I have high hopes for yeah. down the line here. I think Mac I is, like him too. is a guy who's limited athletically Mac is, but he can, he can learn from somebody like Anthony who can help him uh, who's found success at that position. So I, it's just, it was a great, it was a great sign. I was a big BJ Goodson believer and I still am. Sure. I hope BJ lands on his feet somewhere yeah. has a nice season next year because I thought he was really good for the Browns. What he they was. needed him to do. He was, um, but I, I, I'm excited for Anthony Walker, and I'm excited to see what he brings uh, in terms of on and off the field for these guys. Yeah, and uh, to kind of ramp up free agency, any little other small – I got part of me wants to – I swear I, they got it. There's still a good chance I think they sign an outside corner, right? I mean, I don't know how – I don't know. Eh. Someone. Or is it we just going – because obviously I want to draft one too. But I, I just can't count on Greedy, man. I love the dude. Yeah. N- nothing against him personally, but the nerve damage in your shoulder, that's serious shit, man. Like, that's that's yeah. no joke. So, I, it's like, I don't know. Like, if there was any other moves you expect them to do in free agency, what would you kind of be looking at? The only other logical moves to me are bringing in an outside corner and, yeah. and an end. I, I, yeah. I, think they do, I think they do one of those guys. I'm not sure which position. Probably. Sure. If I had to put my money on it, an outside corner like Steven Nelson was released today, yeah. somebody like that yeah. would make sense. But I will say again, too, those are two positions that where they pick at 26 and kind Lots. of where it falls. Like there are a lot of really good young players there in this draft. So I won't panic necessarily, but they do need to continue to add outside corners because they bring back behind greedy like Robert Jackson and mm-hmm. AJ Green and like I just not guys that <laughs> no. I love being on the football field no. in terms of those positions. So I, I, I think they're going to be very patient uh, between between now and the draft and try to figure out price points that make sense and 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 uh, not stretch themselves for anything. But they have they have certainly set up their cap in a way that they can still go get somebody for 2021, a couple guys because they've softened the cap hits on, on, on yeah. this year. So I will be interested, but I would feel much. I think they need to go get three corners still that's that might sound scary to people no but i think it, i would like i would like them to sign one draft one in their first four picks and then draft a late round projection yeah. type player too that's yeah. just kind of where i'm at with that position so and, that, and we'll it, see if they expand on edge too because that's that's definitely a spot they got to keep getting better at well i mean that's just where the game is nowadays man like you can just cannot have enough secondary and especially corner safety all of it especially in this defense and a lot of 
you know, we're not alone here. A lot of teams are running stuff somewhat similar to what we're doing and where they're constantly in the dime and it's a different, it's, I think, I think, I think a lot of fans are getting used to it now because it's like man we need like three great linebackers not anymore it ain't ain't 1989 anymore baby um speaking of the draft what are okay so obvious cornerback edge and i've been a huge huge proponent of d tackle as well interior defensive line outside of corner edge and interior defensive line what are some positions that you that you should expect the browns to target in the draft they had a lot of picks and they don't have meant like yeah. a lot of glaring needs. So I think you might be surprised by some of the picks you see. That's why I, definitely I think this that, question. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely think after defensive tackle uh, after 2021, there's a lot of uncertainty. So I wouldn't be surprised if they invested early in a guy like a, a Lee McNeil out of NC state, yep. uh, Davion Nixon out of Iowa is a good young prospect in that second round. If, uh, if the kid from Alabama, Christian Barmore, is there in the first round at 26, I would not be surprised, stunned, if they took him. Uh, I would be alerted. I would be unexpected, but not be uh, stunned by by any means. I don't, I don't think Barmore falls to 26, but if he did, I'd be interested in him at that point. But, you know, there's a ton of – there's a kid named Levi Ozunarike. I think I, I probably butchered the last name out of Washington. Tommy Togia at Ohio State. Yeah. There's some fun yeah. – there's some fun guys that they, could, they could go after. Yeah. So yeah. I think they'll go after a defensive tackle. I think that they will draft a corner two I referenced. Yep. I would not be surprised if they added a safety uh, yep. at some point. Um, I, I, I offensively wide yeah. receiver and tight end tight end predominantly stand out to me. They'll keep a fourth tight end. Would they prefer to keep a fourth tight end with high upside, maybe taken in the third, fourth, fifth round type of guy who they can project and let him grow and, and maybe, takes the spot of Steven Carlson probably. Sure. So I'll keep an eye on tight end wide receiver. I think they add one guy through this draft. Yeah. Uh, kind of similar to how they did with Donovan. I don't know if they'll go six round late, but I think there there's a lot. It's a deep wide receiver. Deep. class. So yeah. Um, yeah. Wide receiver tight end. Then on defense, I think they'll, they'll definitely go DT. They'll go with an edge. They'll go with the corner. And I think they'll probably, probably take a late round linebacker is my guess too so and that listen i wouldn't be surprised to take a safety too if they don't attack every position try to bring in a guy at every role yeah uh, i i would nothing on defense at all would surprise me other than i don't think they'll spend high pick on on a linebacker at all because yeah you know, i don't between like zavin collins and the only guy that would make sense if they did spend high is 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 jeremiah owusu karmo the kid from notre dame but they're gonna have uh, options. I could be and, talked into him. Yeah, yeah. I could, have, be, I could be talked into him because he's a hyper athletic, mobile, different type of will linebacker who can play in coverage and does a lot of safety shit. So I could be into him, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't put my money on on a linebacker until until they they would maybe entertain one at ninety one or into pick one ten or something like that. Don't you like Jamil Davis? Or is that his name? From is Kentucky the linebacker? Jamin, the kid Jamin. from Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's athletic as so. Yeah. I could even be pronouncing his first name. It could yeah. be Jameen. I, I'm Jameen. not sure. But yeah. Um, um, and then Cameron McGrone, the kid from Michigan, is really fun. Garrett Wallow, the kid from TCU, is mm-hmm. really fun. Uh, so there's some late round, mid late round linebackers that if the if the if the evaluation's high and the pick is right, they'll they'll definitely be interested. Yeah, I I blame Stephen Thomas because for the last three years around this season, I start doing these <clears throat> crazy NFL mock drafts, and man, there are. 
with that 26, they're, they're going to have, they're going to have some, I think they're going to have some choices. I think that there's going to be some edge guys they like there. And I think there's going to be some corners they like there. I think both are going to be there, whatever they prefer. I I'm, I'm leaning towards just get another stud corner. I, I think that's kind of yeah. where I'm at, but yeah, I, I would, I would prefer to see them draft a young, a young corner that they feel good about injury yeah. history wise and that stuff Was too. It, Cause I like greedy and, and you can find a role I for do all too. three of those guys. Yeah. That's the thing. Just, Even if greedy pans yeah. out, that's yeah. not a bad thing. <laughs> that's not. No, you can't, you can never have too many good cover guys in this league, man. Def- never. Definitely not nowadays. Yeah, man. Well, dude, I'm going to wrap it up here pretty soon, but uh, one thing I wanted to do before I get you out of here, it's one thing I do with, every guest that i have on man I'm a, i got five random ass questions for you now these can be right. questions these can be questions so, could be about the browns don't have, maybe not five random ass questions when i get my <laughs> sound when i get my soundboard on man we're gonna be rocking with this shit guys all right man you ready for five wait hold on five random ass questions that's better i like that i like that a lot more thank you all right I know you're a big Star Wars fan. Isn't that right? I think you are. I am. You are. I, I am a I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan who doesn't study the shit enough to be a huge sure. fan. If that no. makes sense. Like yeah, I love no, I it. And I'll go down a wormhole every now and again, yeah. but I'm not like Star Wars poster guy. No, but I love I, the shit. It's fun. I don't I don't like speak some of the languages. I'm like there's there's some yes. sickos out there who can speak the languages and whatnot. Like, yeah. no, I'm not that sick. But all right, question number one. <laughs> I'm not that sick. Question number one. Does Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, deserve the hate it's received? No, it was good. It's fucking. I'm, 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 thank you, brother. I'm not, I'm not the film thank critic you. that just bashes shit. I, I think that <laughs> I think that Star Wars has a formula that everybody loves, and I love it. I love it too. I, I sit me down for a typical Star Wars movie. I'm fine. Throw me some popcorn and a coke. I'm good, bro. But I like that they took risks. I like that it was different. I like that yeah. they tried to do things and like. I, I will tell you this. There are certain moments in a movie theater that got me out of my seat, like like literally lifted my ass out of the seat because I'm like, holy shit. The throne room scene and that was unfucking. Yes. Like awesome. it got me out of my seat. Like <laughs> I wish that how they handled it after that between the two of them would have went a little differently. But sure. like the throne room scene itself was so, so fucking good. cool. So good. I just remember like I think in my lifetime. Um, I, I can't speak to watching the other, the first three in theater, but in my sure. lifetime, there have been two Star Wars moments that got me out of my seat. The throne room scene and then the end of Rogue One with Darth Vader actually got to see him yes. fucking kicking ass. And I just remember <laughs> being with my dude, who's a major, he's a major Star Wars yeah. nerd, man. And I was just like fucking hitting him like, this is unbelievable. Yeah, it was really cool. But like, yeah, like I, I, I can't. I love solo. I can't, I don't, yeah. I don't see them being bad. Like I just don't, I think they're good. Yeah. It's, so, you know, it, you know me, I'm a huge movie fan and everything. I'm a, I'm, oh, of I'm, course. A, I'm hella in the film. And it like the thing about the last Jedi that drives me nuts. Like, look, there's some things I didn't like about it. I wish we would have, there would have been more known about Snoke at the time or yes, I, I, I kind of, I don't really agree with certain things they did with the Luke Skywalker character, but that's not enough for me to say, God, that fans were so angry at that movie. Poor Ryan, Ryan Johnson is on Twitter for the last four years, battling star Wars fans on like a daily basis. Yeah. It's not, it's like, Hey, they didn't hire you, dude. I'm sorry. You didn't get to make the movie. I made it how I wanted it. There's no books to follow here. George doesn't give a shit how we do it anymore. I'm going to make it how I want to make it. <laughs> and I'm the, sorry. The irony is, I mean, I, I've watched a lot of movies. I, I went to film school. 
I have I have an eye. And in my opinion, the irony of all this, technically sound, it's one of the best, if not the best in the entire franchise, just from a technical level. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. It, yeah, it's it's wild stuff. Okay, that was number one. That was a good question. I like that. That was a great uh, question. Thank you. Um, all right, number two, most memorable moment for you playing college quarterback. Man, good question. Um, we were okay. We we were Muskingum was was in we're in the tough conference. At yeah, the isn't I think it's Concord? All the same. Aren't you guys in Concord? It's a, it's in New Concord, which is you east like Con- 15 minutes east of Zanesville and in between yes. Zanesville and Cambridge. So it's like southeast Ohio. Hell yeah, like that's that's yes. where it's at. And it was a little bit of a culture shock for me, but sure. Um but it was we were okay. Uh we we were 0 and 10. They were one and nine when I got there the, the year before I arrived and we were owing to 10 my freshman year. And I went to a high school that we were, we were a small school. We were very good. And I was like, not used to losing. I'm like, I'm out of here. I don't want to fucking do this. <laughs> right. so then I came back my sophomore, my, my freshman year, I went through spring ball and had a chance to be the starter. So I came back, won the job my sophomore year and I stayed and went everything. We got better. We, we went, I think we won four, three, and four. We were okay. Like that conference has Mount union. Yeah. I was going to say that's about. Mount union's conference, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then John Carroll, Ohio John Northern. Carroll. I mean, Otterbein, Capital, yeah. really good football. Through each of those schools have had different successful runs. Sure, like John sure. Carroll now. John Carroll's yeah. extremely good. Back at that time, John Carroll was like five and five, six and four, seven and three. Gotcha. And we 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 beat them two times. Once oh, on a field, once on a field goal. As time expired, my sophomore year, and then we went up there my junior year. And we beat them on a like 38 yard, 40 yard Hail Mary to on the final play of the game. No that was shit. Really memorable. Yeah. yeah a good friend that. of mine caught it. And a good friend of mine was a receiver who I talk to all the time to this That's day. Awesome. Caught it in the corner and we dog piled. So that was probably my most memorable moment up there. That's awesome. That's awesome. The yeah. glory, glory days. <laughs> Seems okay. it's a decade ago now, man. I can't, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. <laughs> yeah, I got That's you wild. by a couple. I'm I, I I'm getting I'm getting older myself, so don't worry, man. I was born in '81. This is my last year of my 30s, man. I don't know. So you started the '80s and I ended it. I'm an '89. There you so. go. There you go. All right, this question. Let me see. This. <laughs> okay, I've got three names. Give me the first word that comes to your mind when I say these persons' names. Johnny okay. Manziel. Uh, conflicted. I like that. Tony Grossi. Means well. Can I hyphenate that? Sure. I, I, I think means, means, that's means great, well. That's a great answer. You know, I think <laughs> I, there is like this disconnect and it's, and it's, and it's it, both parties deserve some blame. There's a disconnect between the fans and Tony Grossi. Both deserve some blame, but that was honestly, that answer is like dead on because I just, he was, he's very nice to me when I went up there as yeah. nobody knew me and still not many. I mean, not, I'm not super sure. well known in that sure. circle, but like, <laughs> he was very nice to me. I think he means well, but I just think I, he's got a style and he's yeah. been beaten down by years of terrible football and expects yeah. the worst because that's all he's covered. But I think he does truly mean well. And he's a nice person in person. So I don't all I know of him. Dude, I see this all the time because, <laughs> you know, people give Grossi and Mary Kay Cabot a lot of shit on Twitter and yeah. a lot of stuff about Mary Kay's clickbaiting kind of shit starting, stirring the pot kind of articles. My response was, what the fucking else is she gonna write about? We got a quarterback yeah. going to Vegas in a disguise and a fake mustache. We're, we're one. It's her job to cover it. 
What, yeah, what job is she to cover supposed it. to talk about? Yeah. The team's terrible, yeah. and they're acting like a bunch of freaking pack of buffoons. Yeah, good times. If you yeah, play, if you, if you play <laughs> good, man, and the, the topics are typically written in in, in a good absolutely, fashion. Absolutely, absolutely. I completely agree. I've always, I've always kind of had MKC. Okay, and I got one more name. That was just the second name. All right, Joe Banner. Um, man. Oh shit, that's a tough one. Uh, I didn't. I didn't cover the Browns when Joe was here and I didn't sure. pay hyper close attention when Joe was here. He's been nice to me on Twitter a couple yeah. times. I think I offered to send him nudes th- once and he said, or I offered, I asked him to send me nudes years ago and he said, yeah, sure. Coming right at you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I hope it worked <laughs> out. So, <laughs> um, listen, I, that is a true story. <laughs> That's a true um, story. I, I, he, not not great at his job in cleveland was okay one word yeah shit dude <laughs> i know this question kind of this is tough I, i'm gonna find the right word here bear with yeah. me um i think shit i don't know the right <laughs> word you got me and i don't know man i don't know i don't have enough of an opinion about him he, he sure. wasn't good and not good enough. Three hyphens. I it just wasn't good enough here. He found success other places, but he was just bad here. Yeah, the Leon McFadden and Jamora Slaughter draft. I mean, what a what a time oh to be alive. God. What a time to be alive. Poor Jamora Slaughter. I don't even think he had fucking knees. Poor guy. These questions are great. These are really good. good. Thank I you. I hope you got some more good ones dialed up. Uh, five random ass questions. All right, this one's kind of basic. This one's pretty basic. You know, I, I, I co-host the the Dead in Santa Carla podcast, which is a horror movie podcast. So I'm obviously not only a huge mm-hmm. fan of film and movies, but I fucking love horror. Do you have a favorite horror movie? I don't. I, I listen, I'm I'm fucking terrible at this. I I don't watch any horror movies because <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm I you're the genre is great and you crush it, but I'm I don't like them. I just don't like gore. So yeah. like I, I I don't like to be scared in general. So like I why would I want to sit there and be petrified? And I'm not saying anybody's wrong for doing it. Oh no, I'm just Jake. saying like l- 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 it's completely understandable. Horror fanatics like myself, we're some sick fuckers, man. There's no there's no doubt. There's no you want to know? Do you want to know the time in theater I got scared the most? Yes, give me a horror movie this, memory. This is that. you would I I'd give you 150 guesses you wouldn't get it, and it's not a horror movie. It's <laughs> I was in middle school and I'm sitting in the theater. I'm going to give you the scene and, and, the, and, and the, what happens and I'm going to see if you know what movie it is. Okay. All right. So I'm in the movie theater. I'm a middle schooler. Bear in mind. I think I'm trying to hold my girlfriend's hand. Nervous about it. And it's a packed theater. This family in the movie is in this basement. Right. And there's something going on upstairs. Noises. And there's this, there's the, there's a dad and his, his brother, and then the dad's two kids, a boy and a girl. The boy has an asthmatic attack because a hand reaches through the crate and grabs him by the chest. Unexpected. It's not a thriller movie necessarily. No, yeah, no. So they're I, panning around the basement because they can't figure out what's going on. They find the son, one of the McCulkin brothers, who's up against this crate and a hand reaches through and grabs him. And I was so fucking scared. It was one of the Calkins. Was it? Wouldn't yeah. have been my girl. No, my girl was too early. I'll give you another hint. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, oh, um, um, 
was it signed? No, no. it was signed. Signs, yes, signs was. right? Yeah, that's a, you <laughs> yeah, know dude. that's that's that like, scared the shit out of me, dude. Dude, that's oh, that, that's actually a pretty. I would honestly, that is part signs. Uh, I'm a huge M Night Shyamalan fan. Uh, me signed, too, dude. Yeah, I love like, the dude. village and all that shit. Yeah, Sixth Sense, love it. Um, yeah, a lot like in Signs is one of them. A lot of his films, they're part, they're part thriller, they're part sci-fi, they're part horror. Yeah. They're part mystery, all that. And I would, Signs is kind of all that. Sci-fi, yeah. thriller-ish, horror-ish, horror going on. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great movie, actually. Love that movie. I don't, I don't think I've seen, I'm sitting here trying to think while I was talking, like kind of in my mind too, trying to think of <laughs> many horror movies that I've watched. I can't, I mean, I, yeah. I, I remember being too I, scared of Saul. Like when I first saw Saul, yeah. I couldn't watch it. It was sure. just fucking with me. And I was having like <laughs> nightmares about it, just watching pieces of it. I guess um, it started young for me. I started watching is seven a horror movie. Um, I, it's got, I, I tell you what, it's got horror elements. It's, it, yeah. it's a suspense thriller, but there is a lot yeah. of horror elements. That, I, I really like murder, like, like, yeah. like, like mind hunter, that type yeah. of shit, man, the study Great, of serial right? killers, how it all came together. Like mm-hmm. I eat that shit up. Like, man, <laughs> me I, 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 that, that stuff. I'm like, there was, there was a series, um, uh, that was on the Unabomber. I cannot remember. Paul Bettany played the the Unabomber. Yeah. I can't remember of it. But yeah, they I were can. using linguistic study. I think Sam, um, well, Sam Worthington is the guy who was playing the detective. But they were using, you know, phonetic ling- linguistics to to figure out how. Yes. The study of his writing style and approach to crack the code of his letters. That he was. It was just fascinating <laughs> to me, man. Yeah, like I, all of that shit is yeah, really I fascinating. Like, to I me. like stuff like that. The Seven's one of my favorite. Like so, if you yeah, if you wanted killer, to talk mystery like, thriller, yeah, that genre, I'm very very like Zodiac. I'm into that. You, I you know, it's that was funny. Phenomenal. In 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 November, we did we had a theme on the Dead and San Carlo podcast. Every month, we do a new theme and we just talk about movies of that theme. We did Thankful for Thrillers in November. Seven yeah. and Zodiac were two of the movies we talked about. Yeah, I'm I would huge... love to come on for those, dude. Yeah, I, I'm was. Big... <laughs> what was the one that came out recently with um, it's got Leto in it. And, oh, uh, 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 gone. Remember the small things or something yes. like the little yeah, things. I, or I have not like that. seen that yet. It, yes, it, yeah, it would with, it with had Denzel. Really, with Denzel, yeah, and, yes. and, uh, I haven't. Rami Malek was in it too. Yes. It had a yes. lot of potential, but it just didn't. It just dropped the ball with the writing at the end of it. But yeah, it's kind of that, what that genre is my thing, man. I'm, into, I'm definitely into those. It's a good one. Yeah, horror is not for everyone. I started young, man. I probably started watching horror movies when I was like six, seven, when I probably shouldn't have. You know what yeah. it was? My dad first opened up a video store in 1985 when I was four, and he had them all mm-hmm. the way up till I graduated high school and moved to LA and all that. And I used to sneak him home at an early age. The that's the, awesome. The horror movies, and that's where I got yeah. Friday the Thirteenth, The Nightmare on Elm Streets, all that shit. Yeah, I was hooked, yeah. dude. I'm still hooked. All right, let's see. Number five. This is a, this is the last one of five random ass questions. Rank these former Browns coaches, worst to best. <laughs> okay. Pat Shermer, Hugh Jackson, and Freddie Kitchens. Worst to best there's there's some i think i think i think the things about the things about how bad freddie was will come to light eventually and i think people will be mouth agape stunned how bad it was and i think freddie is your worst i think pat is the second worst i don't know how pat got himself conned into another job i I thought that dude was fucking clueless um, one of the, and this is I, saying a lot, Jake. During the Pat Shermer years, one of the worst Browns offenses I had ever seen. 
I had I'm one of the worst Browns. And he had some talent. And in the thing I know. is, he he's he. God damn! Some guys are just born to be coordinators. I know he is born to be a coordinator. It's a shame because he can't handle the shit that comes with it. I actually think you, given the right situation, where a team that didn't go into a situation planning to rebuild like Cleveland did, could have been okay. I think if Hugh Hugh has started to ride down this weird alley of, I I, I listen. I got thoughts on Hugh, man. Like I think yeah. I oh, think Hugh okay. was a good football coach. Sure. I think Hugh got overwhelmed by being in a situation that had less talent than he even anticipated, and when some of those closer games didn't break their way and it started to pile up on him, this one in fifteen, zero in sixteen piled mm-hmm. up on him. It started to take its toll, and like he built his whole life toward becoming a head coach and ran really good offenses in Cincinnati. And then to see it all come off the rails in front of you, he was trying to walk this fine line between who to blame, because I think there was some blame that was fair share to go around. Sure. And like, then he took the fall for a lot of the blame and like, he just became this public pariah and he's got this thing attached to him. And I think like there's some fucking cryptocurrency shit he's tweeting about today. Like <laughs> I just think Hugh has gone off the rails and I, it's sad because I actually think Hugh. I can know. be a good football coach. And I, I just think that I just think that he came to Cleveland at the wrong time with the wrong, wrong approach time. and the wrong like I think if you could take what he learned in Cleveland and maybe apply it and get another job, but you just don't the shitty part is that you don't see African Americans get second chances yeah. at this shit like they should, man. So it's like I'm sure there's a little bit of Hugh. And listen, Hugh's got a lot of money. He's he's made yeah. Cleveland still paying the guy. He's writing like, a book. He got a book coming out he, this he's year. He's got supposedly. a book coming out. He's doing yeah. cameos. New I Jackson, mean, like baby. life's he comparing to like he's not bad off but like i do understand where there's a lot of probably football depression that came in for him because the 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 the, the arrival time so while i don't think he was a good coach for a head coach and i i the the three of those i would feel comfortable saying that he was somehow the best of the three of those i would say he's probably i would i would probably agree with that because that's crazy to say but yeah i feel bad for you a little bit some I don't. Some part of me does. He brought a lot of shit to himself, man. Yeah, he brought, he did. He brought on a lot, and, that, and that's kind of where I'm kind of split on it. But like, I don't hate the guy. I don't hate anyone. No, some of these, no. you know, some fans they're crazy. Like even like like the fact that he doesn't even have, I don't know, he's not an OC somewhere or quarterbacks mm. coach somewhere. It blows my fucking mind. Oh, yeah. It's the stigma. I really think that people. Right? They view him as this this such an abject failure from what happened yes, here that it's dude. like we don't want that they don't want that label they don't want to deal with the scrutiny and it's a shame man because it is I thought he did really well with Marvin there in Cincinnati for a while he did did great well that yeah. was five random ass questions and that was I think I think we dude we touched on everything I wanted to and I was I wanted to get it done in an hour and twenty minutes and we were right on that mark so I'm proud of myself because I we're just two professionals it. yeah we're two <laughs> professionals like just that. doing doing professional shit here yeah so, professional know, take shit that for what it is. i like that professional shit yeah i'm gonna start calling content creation professional shit that's what i'm gonna start calling yeah, that's it. what that's what we do well jake <laughs> mr burns thank you so much for joining me dude when most of the people listening to this i'm sure they know who you are but those just in case they don't where can they find you yeah, I'm at I'm at Jake underscore Burns 18 on Twitter. Um, I have a Twitter account for the OBR's film breakdown stuff, which is at the OBR film BDN. And then uh, also have a YouTube uh, account that we're growing like crazy with content up there every day. Our team does a really nice job uh, putting stuff up there. And then the OBR is our 
uh, home. You know, that's where we do all yeah. of our work, all of our forums and boards. It's a small family of people there, man. And, and uh, you get film room and rumors and draft coverage, unlike any place else. And it's only a dollar for your first month to see if you like us and, and uh, support our cause and all of that stuff as we try to put out good coverage for you. So join us at the orange and Brown report. I would be, uh, would be eternally grateful. Absolutely. And guys, they do awesome work over there. Jake is, uh, like I said earlier, he's on, he's on like Steven. I think I called Steven a humble, nice fucker. And Steven was like, yeah, I think that's going to be the name of my next album. Humble, nice fucker. Well, Jake humble is nice no, <laughs> Jake is a humble, <laughs> nice fucker as well, but, um, they do great work over there, including Jake. Um, like these YouTube streams that you guys are doing of like these mock drafts that's that shit's fucking cool bro not gonna lie that shit is super cool and i was digging that so there's tons of content guys uh the writing content their digital content definitely check out jake check out the obr and uh jake man thanks for coming on with me sugar ray leonard roberto duran Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.